0: Hey there. Just before the episode starts, I wanted to make a note to say that due to a couple of issues during recording, my audio isn't at the quality I'd normally expect it to be or would want it to be. But please do continue to listen to the episode because firstly, I've got two fantastic guests who their audio is absolutely fine, by the way, and one of them is a first time appearance on the show. And they both got some brilliant stories to share on this topic. So... Yeah, enjoy the show. Normal service will resume next week. Hello and welcome to another episode of Casting Views, the podcast that takes a topic each week and as the name suggests, cast views. This week is a very special week because um, I've got another first-time voice on here. Not the first-time appearance of the podcast, but the first-time appearance of this special guest. So I've got Adam from Decaying with the Boys. Hi, Adam.
1: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: And I've also got Josh Scar from Talking Smack. Hey, Josh.
1: Hey, Dan. Hey, Adam. How we doing? Good, man. Nice to meet you, too, as well. I've I've listened, yeah. I've heard the podcast, but nice to meet you in person,
2: through video. <laughs> as, as real as things can get in the, the 21st century anymore. So to those listening, Matt was going to be on here,
0: but yeah, Adam and I decided that Matt gets too much of my time and yeah, not got to meet Adam. So we've we've got him in and uh, probably you'll be, I think, maybe the recurring guest in the future.
2: Oh, I would love that. (laughs) Just straight up replacing Matt. I'll take him. (laughs) No,
0: (laughs) Matt was supposed to be on here, but you know, that pesky thing called real life has got in the way today. So uh, yeah, but... I have got an, an episode for you and him, Adam, in the future. So watch his space. Watch his space. That's all I'll say. Josh, how is Talking Smack going?
2: Uh, it's going pretty well. We, as of recording, we will be recording our uh, review episode for The Marvels and Loki Season 2. And then uh, we're going to be ending out the year strong, I think, too. Uh, we've got... Uh, We're going to watch Godzilla minus one and uh, just some really good stuff to close out the year that I think uh, people will be really interested in. But as far as the pod goes, I'm very excited for closing out the year real strong.
0: Yeah, the marvels, depending on which part of Twitter you look at, is getting a lot of attention. So, yeah, I look forward to to that review of yours. And if I I get my act together, this episode will actually go out next week. So it's probably going to be coinciding roughly the same time. So, yeah, everyone check out uh, Josh's review. Adam, how's the brewing scene going?
1: Oh, good. Um, we just wrapped up uh, kind of like the festival season here in Pennsylvania. Um, so on a nice little break, brewing, actually, I uh, uh, just brewed an English ale, an English strong bitter um, that is going into kegs tomorrow. So the timing couldn't be more perfect.
0: Uh, upcoming episodes, is that going to be featured it,
1: it definitely will be. Probably in two two weeks, I would say by the end of November.
0: So stay tuned to that. I'll look forward to that as well. So, um, yeah, so the intro's out of the way. And, yeah, sorry, I'm, I'm all over the place because I'm just so excited to have Adam on the show. That, that's what it is. It's uh, thrown, thrown me for a loop. So, so what, we'll have a quick break in which we're going to actually hear Josh. We're going to hear you again because I'm going to play your trailer and we'll be back soon.
2: If you love talking blockbuster movies, comic books, animation and TV shows, check out Talking Smack, Hosted by me, Josh Scar, along with my rotating cast of co-hosts. We will talk superheroes, movies, animation and comics with you every Wednesday on your favourite podcatcher.
0: Okay, so we are back. So this episode, I think you two are going to be perfect for this. And Josh, I had to have you on because you gave me the idea for this. This is um, because you did a couple of episodes, didn't you, about rent-free entertainment moments or or, or moments in entertainment that live in your head rent-free, right?
2: We did. Yeah. And uh, so like that topic was just kind of in my living rent free in my brain. And uh, I was like, I can't do sports, although I'd love to to talk about some of these sports moments, but not my show. So maybe Dan could do one. And uh, I had no intention of like, weaseling my way into it. But I was like, Hey, Dan, what about this? And you're like, Okay, well, you're being on it.
0: Yeah, if anyone gives me an idea, they've got to be on it. So um, I had to have you on and And Adam, obviously, a big part of your show is the the combat sports side of things. I'm not going to limit you to just that. Yeah, so I thought we'll come together and just talk about that because I was saying to you before recording, we've probably got about 100 we we could reel off. So we'll see where we're at. And I think I'm going to obviously come with a predominantly British football perspective. So I know we'll have different moments just from that perspective. So I
2: expect at least one cricket
0: you know what? I haven't got any cricket.
2: <laughs> oh, disappointing. <laughs> I haven't
0: got any cricket. I've got one American sport and that's it for just one example. And and I think for me, it's a real mixture. I've chosen some aren't necessarily happy sporting moments, uh, but they're, they're moments that obviously have had an impact in some ways. So I'm looking around the screen and I'm torn be- between Adam being a new guest, Josh, it being your idea. So, so I think, <laughs> do you know what? If I had a coin, I'd flip it like they do in
2: sports. But let, you know, let's let Adam, a, as, as the yeah. newbie here, we'll let Adam go. Cool. I'll, I'll yeah, give him my Adam, shot. You, you're, you're up to bat first. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, well, for my first one, I am leaning into combat sports Um, and probably one of the biggest stories and biggest events in combat sports in the 1990s, which was Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield in their championship match. Yeah. Um, so they, this was actually a rematch. They fought seven months prior and Mike Tyson came out on the losing end of that fight. Um, and he was not looking great in the rematch. So with 40 seconds remaining in the third round, he got Holyfield in a clinch and took a nibble on his ear, um, actually biting a piece of it off and spinning it onto the canvas. Um, and they, they kind of paused for a second, had Holyfield get looked at by the doctor's took two points off of Tyson. They didn't DQ him, but so after a long pause, they got back into it and he immediately bit him again and then got DQ'd. But, uh, I watched this, uh, the whole event, I watched a bunch of boxing with my dad growing up and, and, uh, people in the neighborhood. So it was, it was, I actually saw this in real time and it was always a joy for me. Cause at the time I was probably between, between 10 or 12 years old. So it was like, Oh, I'm staying up late with my dad and hanging out and, and all that. And we were, I was a big Tyson fan. I was excited for the fight. And then
2: in the third round, it just ends in just chaos. Um, So it's something I'll never forget. I remember watching sports center after that happened and just like the frame by frame analysis that they did of like, this is where they, he spits out the chunk of his ear and just <laughs> like, I, I had never watched boxing before, but even that, I was just like, Holy cow. That, that is just beyond barbaric yeah, and it was like
1: a super in-depth analysis for weeks they were doing that like they were just pulling it apart and what was happening next and uh whether tyson was going to have his license revoked which he did and then eventually got it reinstated um but yeah just when 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 you gave me the topic that was the first thing that popped in my head so i was like write that down right away
0: hmm <laughs> that was something that also came to my mind because again i think it really sticks in the memory because it was a truly shocking event in in terms of i know boxing is quite a a violent sport you know physical sport but we i don't think we would ever had anything like that or not to memory anyway tyson was a superstar at the time and i was in italy at the time with family and again i must have been around the same age when do you say it was 80 80,
1: it was 97. 97, sorry 97 97.
0: 97. Yeah, so I was in Italy and I remember it was the next day and somebody was reading the headlines and I thought they'd mixed two stories up, you know, thought, <laughs> so you know, there's, no, surely it's like there's something from a local pub like kicking out and, and a boxing match, but no, it, it just, yeah, it kind of, I remember hearing it and then I couldn't wait to see a replay because, you know, being young, you, you're kind of interested in those sort of things, right? Right. I'm guessing in the States it would have been massive as well, like you, like you were saying, it
2: if I remember boxing was kind of on the rise again because of Tyson and just like how physical he was. And, uh, with this, it, it just, it took a huge, I don't know if it was a negative bump or, uh, but there, there was a big impact on boxing at that time because of Tyson doing that. Um, but I can't remember if it was a positive or negative. I was only 12 when that happened.
1: Yeah. It was, it was kind of like, I think more people started tuning in, but it wasn't for the, the sportsmanship of it all was for the car crash uh kind of thing like they wanted to see what was going to happen next but yeah this i mean all eyes were on this fight because like i said it was a rematch and tyson got upset in a match with holyfield seven months earlier so everybody was like tuning in to watch his redemption arc and then chaos
0: (laughs) (laughs) and i think again it's perfect example because it's a moment that transcends the sport itself, isn't it? It became front page news, let alone as we say, back page news for the sports. It, it was world news,
1: right? Yeah, it was world news. It mm. was, it was, you know, excuse the pun, but main event coverage. Like it was, it was everything. It was, it became pop culture. It, it's notorious, but it became pop culture.
0: It was quite gory as well. Well, gory. It was a bit dramatic, but in the sense of yeah, you did, you did see the pictures and you did see the the hole left in the ear. Yeah. Definitely something good to kick kick us off. So I'm going to take it off my list now. (laughs) Josh, what are you starting with?
2: Uh, I'm going to go with the moment that really got me into sports because I grew up in the Chicagoland area in the 90s. So, like, obviously, I loved basketball. Like, Michael Jordan was everything. He was everywhere. Um, But I never really clicked with sports until uh, January 1997 when my dad, who is from an older generation – Uh, He was in his late 50s at this point, and uh, he had asked me to uh, No, he was in his early 60s. Actually, he had asked me to record uh, the Super Bowl that year because the Packers were in the Super Bowl for the first time in 30 years in Super Bowl 31. And because I was recording through the VCR, I couldn't like turn off the VCR. I couldn't like put it into an idle mode where it would essentially DVR. You had to watch whatever you were recording through the VCR and so I just sat there and watched the Super Bowl for the first time ever in my life and watched a football game. And I just remember being like, Oh, like what, what is happening? Cause the, the new England Patriots got the first possession and they went and they got a first down and then they punted the ball. I'm like, okay, whatever. And then Desmond Howard returns the ball. He has a really good return of like 20 some yards. And then the very next play, the packers throw a 54-yard bomb Brett Favre to Andre Risen and i just see Brett Favre running off the field it's like an iconic super bowl moment Favre running off the field his helmet in his hand just like running to the sideline going to find Leroy Butler and do their little celebration that they do and i'm like i get it now and i watched the rest of the game uh while still making sure i recorded for my dad and just was so invested in watching like Reggie White do what he does like there's three shots where he had this move called a club move, where he literally just would get his arm under his the tackle's left arm, and he would just fling him. And there's a <laughs> there's a really great video of Reggie White throwing a wide receiver at a, a Minnesota Vikings quarterback. I think it was Warren Moon. Like you could you could not do that. Uh, it was it's fantastic. I'll I'll have to try and find that and send it to you later. But watching Reggie White uh, throw, I think it's Max Lane as the offensive tackle, just throw this 340-pound offensive lineman and getting to Drew Brees for a Super Bowl, setting a Super Bowl record at the time, three sacks, and hearing Reggie White's story about how he'd been pursuing a Super Bowl and what he did to revitalize Green Bay along with Brett Favre. But like that first shot from Brett Favre to Andre Risen for 54 yards is what clicked it for me. And like I've been a football fan. I've been a Packer fan ever since. What I love about that
0: is that that came from just the, an innocuous thing like you recording the game for your your dad.
2: Me being a young person and my dad saying, hey, I don't understand technology, please do this for me.
0: I think that's brilliant. Like I said, a personal moment. Yes.
2: Super Bowl 31 is not heralded as like an amazing or great Super Bowl, which I mean, for the most part, it's not. But they there were, I think, three records set in that Super Bowl. Um, Reggie White set the record for most sacks in a Super Bowl at the time. Uh, the Packers also, uh, Brett Favre, the Antonio Freeman set the then record for longest touchdown pass. And then, uh, Desmond Howard had the longest touchdown for a kick return. And he's also the only special teams player to ever win a, a Super Bowl MVP still. Adam, are you, are you a football fan?
1: Uh, yeah, I am. I'm, I've gone ups and downs because I'm a, our local team here is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but interesting enough, back at, during that Super Bowl, I was a huge Packers fan. So I remember especially the just the image of Favre running off the field with the helmet in his hand was like huge. I, I owned a Brett Favre jersey at the time and everything like I was uh, I, I really liked dominant quarterbacks and Brett Favre was one of the best at that time. So
2: he yeah he was the guy at that point like from 1995 to 1998 he was the quarterback in the nfl so yeah I, re- I remember
1: that one really well i watched i definitely watched that whole
2: game
0: for me the super bowl is an interesting one i do watch the super bowl but i tend to watch it the next day because it's on far too late over here so i think it kicks off or whatever the right term is for that one at around sort of half 11 at night and it finishes about 4 a.m 5 a.m it just Ugh. goes on so long don't they The, the Super bowl.
2: I can't watch Super Bowl pregame coverage. The pregame coverage is all day, and I and like there's a two week gap now between when the the championship games are played going into the Super Bowl, and it's all just the same stuff. Like I can't do it anymore. Like when's kickoff? It, they say it's five fifteen. Okay, that means it'll be like five thirty. I'll turn the TV on then. Like until then, I, I will do anything else. <laughs>
0: I have to watch the pregame because that's the only way I know what's going on beforehand because I don't watch the rest of the season up to that moment.
2: <laughs> well, when we get to February, just know Travis Kelsey is dating Taylor Swift. And <laughs> if they lose, he they might break up. If the
1: Kansas City Chiefs don't win the Super Bowl, America will crumble and cry because
2: Taylor Swift's <laughs> boyfriend's team. Didn't. I mean, at least Travis Kelsey will get to go home to Taylor Swift. I mean... <laughs>
0: I mean, over here, they tend to do like Super Bowl parties because it is so late. So most people book the day off work because, like I said, it doesn't finish till the early hours. So people gather around people's house and and, and even over here sort of have food and that. And I'm assuming it's a big event like that over there as well, right?
2: You'll have people who will have big events. Um, we're not allowed to call them Super Bowl parties due to trademark issues. Uh, but everyone will just call them like big game. Like, oh, come on over for the big game. And like. I I don't know. It's the NFL having extreme reach on certain things. Like uh, there's a a big controversy right now because flag football is becoming an Olympic sport, which I think is a little ridiculous, but also like who cares? No one really cares that much about the Olympics, Um, at least not in the States. But uh, I mean, I I think it'd be fun to see how other teams adapt to some of these NFL guys coming into uh, playing flag football because there are a lot of guys who are like oh hell yeah i'll go for an olympic gold medal like who wouldn't want to do that
0: adam any other super bowl memories for yourself
2: i mean when the steelers win but uh
1: not not recent um who does matt support you and matt are ob-
2: at odds with each other uh,
1: we we root for the same team he's even less into football than i am now i'm i'm actually getting back into it i really disliked our former uh quarterback here in pittsburgh so i kind of like Mm -hmm. was real cursed or like real on the outs with the steelers for a while we got like a new young rookie and uh last year and uh he he, it's interesting to watch him grow he's not doing great he's not doing terrible (laughs) but we're we're just kind of existing right now
2: yeah real quick speaking of being at odds um technically speaking adam matt and i are at odds because the packers play the steelers uh the day we're recording this and uh 10 10-ish years ago the Packers beat the Steelers in Super Bowl 45 which that's another memory for me um I remember I had my nephew over at my house and because uh his stepdad is a Bears fan so he's just like I don't care about watching the Super Bowl I want to see the Packers do what they do and so uh I remember bringing my nephew over to my house and just like having so much fun with him. And like when the final kneel down happened, I just picked him up and like spun him around on my shoulders.
1: That's a good one. Uh, At the time, I actually did not live in Pittsburgh. I lived in Washington, D.C. So I I watched it with a bunch of other um, transplants that were from Pittsburgh that were now in D.C. And I remember just as the final kneel down went, I just grabbed two beers out of the fridge and went and sat outside in the snow. And just quietly drank them. Cause I was defeated. It was a really, it was a heated game.
2: Yeah. That was, it was a really good game. Um, especially the Packers took a good lead in that one. And then, uh, Steelers came back and then it, it came down to like one final fourth down play. And I can't remember if it was a pick or not. I think it was a pick. I think it was. Yeah. Um, uh, Charlie Pepra. Uh, you're, Oh man, you're digging into my, my nonsense portion of my brain that remembers this crap. I think Charlie Pepper got the the game winning interception, and then uh, if if Dan, I know we we got to get to you for one, but uh, that Super Bowl also ended with um, that was when Aaron Rodgers debuted his belt celebration. So whenever he would do like a a score touchdown or something, he would do the like championship belts. I'm putting my hands over my waist kind of motion. And Clay Matthews had bought Aaron Rodgers uh, a replica WCW big belt. Uh, to to throw over his shoulder in case he won the MVP and they won the Super Bowl, and they did. So there's an iconic image of Rogers holding the the Lombardi Trophy, and Matthews is like holding the belt over his shoulder, and that reminded me of um, another sporting moment, if if you want to so call it that. But um, the day Hulk Hogan goes heel at Bash at the Beach 1996, like Hulk Hogan is the hero of. Sports entertainment. He's the guy who has the same match over and over, and people eat it up. And then he turns heel. And I remember I didn't I didn't watch pay per views. I was eleven at that time, so like I would go over to my friend's house who lived next door to me, and we would watch Nitro and Raw and whatever. And we, when Nitro came on, they showed the highlights of what happened at Bash of the Beach and he and I both were just like, what the hell just happened? No way. There is no way this happened. Hulk Hogan. No, nah. And sure enough, like Hulk Hogan went to the dark side and wrestling was changed forever.
1: Yeah. It, re- it really started a huge boom in professional wrestling, at least here in America, because uh, WCW was red hot because of that and wwf at the time now wwe had to play catch up and had to compete so it was like can't miss
2: action like that's when i got really into wrestling was right about mm-hmm, same time. yeah i was i think i had just started getting into wrestling uh, my friend had gotten the uh wrestlemania 12 i think vhs yeah it was 96 so yeah wrestlemania 12 would have just happened and we watched the iron man match between bret hart and Shawn michaels and that i was just like holy cow like what a what a show of athleticism like an hour long match of guys jumping off the top ropes doing all sorts of crazy stuff to each other like i i just kind of started coming over to his house to watch raw and nitro every week and started really going into the backlogs cuz my dad would take me to blockbuster and other rental video places and i would i would find those uh vhs tapes of the previous pay-per-views and i just try and catch up to all the matches that happened and like i became a huge hulk hogan fan watching like the 1980s summer Slams, uh-huh. like Summerslam 88 89 like those were classic hulk hogan matches not to mention his andre the giant stuff and i was just like yeah hulk hogan's the best let's go watch mr nanny and let's watch <laughs> all these other things and uh seeing him turn heel to like an 11 year old. Like that was the desired effect was you get all the, the 11 year olds to be like, what just happened? Oh my God. And is just it looking back on it. And there's this really good uh, wrestling YouTube channel called reliving the, or no, they're called uh, wrestling bios, but they have a series called reliving the war where they basically just watch Ron nitro side by side. And they compare the shows and like, this is kind of where nitro started taking a real big downward turn and in, in quality and production. This is where raw went to the moon with stone cold, Steve Austin and the rock and mankind and Shawn Michaels. And is it's a really interesting watch for, for me because I'm not necessarily watching it for nostalgia. Cause I stopped watching around this time, but watching the rise of the WWE WWF and just the, the free fall that happens with nitro, like, a year and a half after the the rise of the nwo and like just how quickly that whole storyline just went to shit uh it's really interesting and I, i strongly recommend it if you have any kind of nostalgia for wrestling in the 90s like it's a really fun and interesting watch
0: american wrestling will always hold a special place in my memories as well because in my childhood you had to have satellite tv so it wasn't that common to see it but when you did it just felt so over the top, so flamboyant. So it just looked amazing. And yeah, sort of as a, as a British kid, getting hooked into the American wrestling at the time was just, was just something else. But I'm, I'm going to go on to mine. I'm going to mix two events within the same thing. But for me, the Football World Cup will always have a couple of memories for me. So I don't know how how much coverage it, or how popular it, even the Football World Cup is over there.
2: Um, if it, is it the regular like FIFA World Cup yeah, that you're referring yeah. to? Okay, um, yeah, it gets that's like the one every two years that the, the US really cares. about. Well, two years because you have the World Cup, and then you, uh, two years later you have soccer or you have the the uh, Olympics. You have like the Olympics, and then you have the the World Cup. That's like the the biannual time frame that the US ever really cares about football, soccer. Right.
0: The first one I will mention is one where. It was the first time the sport made me cry, basically <laughs> it was so it was nineteen ninety World Cup it was in Italy, so my family were Italian, I supported Italy, and they that was when they were a really good side and we got to the semi final and we lost to Argentina on penalties and I remember sitting on the couch in the dark on my own and and it was the first time I thought football could could or sport could utterly destroy you as a fan, and I've learned that lesson a lot since then with the teams I choose. But also it was for me, the iconic moment of that was it was the first or one of the first World Cups where it really the music to it also became a thing. And you had Pavarotti singing Nessin Dorma and hearing him sing that will always be iconic to me and always put me back in that time. The second one was the 2006 World Cup where Italy won that. So we got the reverse of what I said. I don't know if if it made it over there, but the final was Italy v France, um, you had Zidane playing for France and it was in the final, him and one of the Italian defenders were were kind of at odds with each other throughout, they had a little bit of verbal and that was the moment, I don't know if you saw it, where Zidane headbutted the player Matarazzi in the chest, he, he just lost his cool, got sent off and so you've got two images, you've got the image of him headbutting him in the chest, but also as he walks off he walks past the the world cup trophy and there's that famous picture of him with his back to the trophy and that will always stick in my head because he just lost his call cool, and you don't know if he'd have stayed on what would have happened
2: i remember the headbutt i was at my friend steve's house and i think we were either watching sports center or we were watching that match and uh Just I remember seeing the headbutt and just how many again like the Tyson thing, the the replays and the analysis of like this is when he lost his cool is like right when he makes contact with the guy's sternum.
1: I remember the headbutt as well. It was yeah, it was it it got a lot of coverage over here. Um, That final I think was very you know contested. It was for some reason World Cup soccer that year in the US was huge,
2: and it wasn't because we were doing well, but. Wasn't it just after or around the time the women's team won? I I, I do remember Brandy Chastain like making headlines because she like took off her jersey and she was just celebrating in her in her sports bra. But I think that might have been around the same time. Let's see. This was two thousand and six. Um, okay, no. So I think Brandy Chastain was like, that was the nineties.
0: It was it was just something that's always stay with me because I think that was Zidane's last World Cup. It was just the way he had, but it was a proper full-on aggressive, like I said, there had been words, and that was it. He, you know, he saw red. And it's not like Zidane was known to be a violent or angry player or someone who lost his cool. And and I think to see, it is like I said, for me, that image of him walking past the trophy will just be forever associated with that tournament. It's just a shame.
2: Yeah, Brandon interesting. was 1999, so it, it had been a few years removed. But I think after that, it like, World Cup coverage in the U.S. picked up a lot every time the, the men's and the women's team were playing.
0: You had it in 94. Was it 94 in America? Yeah, and and I remember, yeah, because Italy lost to Brazil in the final, and that was just the strange, strange tournament, because over here we just kept getting news articles of journalists going around supporters outside the stadium saying, um, do you know what the world cup is and when it And people say no. And they're outside the stadium where the game was being played. Cause back then I guess, you know, soccer was kind of just coming back into the floor, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. I think the, the baseball strike had something to do with uh, soccer kind of reappearing into the mainstream because uh, like baseball was the thing you did besides like basketball because of Michael Jordan, where I lived anyway. Um, but it was, it was baseball or it was basketball baseball and then football was like a relatively close third at that time and then uh the nfl kind of took a big big jump because of the strike and i think soccer benefited from that as well adam
0: any football or soccer enjoyment in in your world Um, i
1: i played as a kid uh for probably like four years just because it was you know youth leagues in the area um It was just good exercise and it was relatively cheap for my parents to just get me some shoes and and go play. Um, But actually every year, my birthday is on Boxing Day. So me and Matt and a couple of buddies always go to the local English pub here in Pittsburgh because they play the game starting at 10 a.m. So we get we get a. we get our drink on a little early on Boxing Day every
0: year. I need to come over. I love. I love when I hear English pubs abroad. I, I really want to see what they actually like. So,
1: so it's actually a, a gentleman here in Pittsburgh who brews everything locally. But he and he's American, but he just loves British culture. So he like brews two style. His whole pub, from what I've seen in pictures, looks exactly almost like a a British pub. Uh, he like recreates it, and there's always there's always soccer on the TV, football on the TV. I'd
0: have to come over. You can buy me a beer. Absolutely. <laughs> What's your next moment, Adam?
1: So I have a I have a new one, and I have a classic. I'm gonna go with a new one because I already did one from the '90s. Um, and this actually happened this year on June 10th. It was the retire the final fight and the retirement of Amanda Nunez in the UFC at UFC 289. She was a Dominant double champion. She was the bantamweight and featherweight women's champion uh, for the UFC. Uh, Went in on short notice against an opponent she didn't have a ton of time to prepare for. She only had about a month to prepare for this replacement, uh, which was Irene Aldana. And they went all five rounds. Uh, Nunez won every round on every judge's card. But the thing that's very memorable besides her being so dominant was... During the post-fight interview, she demanded a, uh, one of the cut men come in with scissors to cut her gloves off, and she retired. With no prior announcement, I guess she had it decided in her head, but nobody knew. Dana White was surprised by it. She retired a double champion at the top of her game, and it's just so memorable, because I, even though that's so recent, I don't think you'll ever see that again. Just the way the fight game is now. Um, and then later on, she, she revealed that uh she had to retire because she had such severe nerve damage in her legs it was almost impossible for her to kick anymore so it was kind of sad like it definitely got cut short an amazing career but she went out on top so just it's kind of a a great moment in combat sports to see somebody leave on the rise and you don't see the fall of their career
2: that's it's very rare yeah Mm -hmm. don't see anderson silva taking a a payday to lose to logan paul kind of thing. (laughs) exactly
0: uh josh are you a a ufc
2: i used to be really into ufc during like the anderson silva conor mcgregor um there there's one other guy uh i can't remember his name right now but he got in trouble for george st pierre george st pierre yeah he was a big one i can't remember the other guy there there's one i think he was the heavyweight champ at the time he had to relinquish the belt because uh he got kept getting in trouble for drug violations either pot or maybe it's something more serious but i can't remember his name right now
1: oh are you thinking of john jones maybe yes
2: john jones yeah and then uh like the return of brock lesnar to ufc and mma and stuff i I was i was watching my friends and i was before i met my wife uh we would go to our local buffalo wild wings every saturday or every two saturdays and enjoy some very mediocre wings and watch some fights and like i remember uh, I can't remember who he was fighting, but I remember Anderson Silva shattering his shin and, on a kick. A guy like blocked his kick, and you can see his leg just completely wrap around the guy, and then he came back to step on it, and you see his leg just collapse under him. And I was like, "I'm done. I can't. nope, I can't eat anymore. And I don't know if I can watch any more of this. Like, oh my god! Like, and it's it's such an innocuous thing too. Like, you see these guys like just lift their legs to block it." all the time, but Silva just hit the guy in the right spot or the wrong spot at the wrong time, and his leg just was destroyed.
0: Yeah, I, I've never really got into TFC, and it it always looks quite, yeah, quite brutal, obvious statement of the podcast there, I think. But yeah, <laughs> I, it's just something I've never really got into. Again, probably because I didn't really have it at the time on the TV, but when, yeah, when Brock Lesnar went over, I think that's kind of what really put it on my radar. Because again, being a being a wrestling fan, yeah, it's, it's it's a brutal sport. So fair play to the ones who who take part in it. Not not for me. Not for me. So that one, Adam. Sorry, did you say that she then just retired just there and then?
1: Yeah, it was a spur of the moment. And you can't hear exactly what she says, but as she's announced the winner, uh, Dana White, who's the owner of the UFC, comes up behind her to give her her belts, and she says something to him, and I think it was, "Thank you." I'm, done. I'm retiring like i think she lets him know in the ring as well at that time if anybody had a heads up it was probably him but yeah no the commentators didn't know everybody was blown away and her like post-fight interview and 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 every and celebration was like much longer like they just let her do what she wanted because it was it was just memorable
0: you know again because i don't really know the sport um does did she stay or has she stayed retired up till now and there'll be a reason i ask that but has she, has she stayed retired
1: yeah so this this only happened this june so yes she has so far stayed retired uh she said she will be back she wants to come back in like a coaching role and be like a, be a coach and be a corner woman for future fighters uh she said her goal now is to like build a champion. So she wants she wants to train somebody to kind of take her spot. Yeah.
0: Uh, the only reason I say that is because we had um in the Olympics rowing. I, I don't know how much that's hit the radars, but we had uh, Stephen Redgrave who won four Olympic golds for rowing. And I think after the fourth, because he was getting on a bit, you know, this is four Olympics. He famously said, if anyone sees me get near a, a, a boat, you've got permission to shoot me. And then he quickly reversed that and took part in a fifth and I think won a fifth gold. So that, that's the reason why I ask that because I think sometimes these sports, these sports styles, they, they do something in the heat of the moment and that's all their, their life is, isn't it? Is that sport? Is that, that lifestyle?
1: Yeah. I mean, it has to be all encompassing between the training and especially, you know, for I'm, I'm sure the same in rowing, like your weight matters. So that's your nutrition. That's your, you know, that's, it is your everything. And I think a lot of them do step away when they think it's right. And then either miss it or think maybe they did it prematurely and, and come back. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah.
0: That's a good one. Really interesting one there. Josh, what's next up for you?
2: Uh, Next one up for me again, I, uh, there's a, there's a little bit of a backstory here. So June, 1998, Michael Jordan hits the shot before he retires for the second time. And two days later, I'm riding high because, again, my Bulls have just won their third championship in three years, six and eight. And I'm just watching ESPN, seeing what's on TV, and there's a hockey game on. Apparently, it's game four of the 1998 Stanley Cup Finals. And I'm like, cool, let's watch it. I'm I'm into sports now. Let's do it. And the Red Wings win, and as the game is winding down, the Red Wings are up 3 nothing, 3-0, as you Brits would say, uh, as the clock is winding down. And they start talking about this guy, Vladimir Konstantinov, and I'm like, who cares? They're about to win the Stanley Cup. Who cares about Vladimir Konstantinov? And as the game ends, there's a tradition in the Stanley Cup where the team captain is the first one to skate around the rink with the trophy, and then they hand it off to the next guy who is supposed to usually there's some kind of story behind it, like it's the guy's first Stanley Cup and he's had a notable career and stuff like that. In this case, Steve Eiserman, the, the Detroit Red Wings captain, hands it off to a guy in a wheelchair named Vladimir Konstantinov, who one week after the, the Red Wings had won the Stanley Cup the year prior in 1997, he was in a limousine accident where the driver fell asleep behind the wheel and he was paralyzed had brain damage uh all sorts of horrible things happened to him he was in the the vehicle with three other or two other red wings uh members another defenseman uh slava festivov and uh the team masseuse and they were just like celebrating having fun with the stanley cup and out of nowhere the limousine just accelerates and crashes into a tree and they all go flying I'm sending you guys a link so you can see the team picture and see uh Vladdy, as Red Wings players call him, uh, there's a great shot of him with the cup. Um, but like seeing and hearing about this story as a 13 year old kid, it really just was like, oh, my gosh, like that's a horrible story that's been turned into a beautiful moment because the entire team rallied around Vladdy and they just uh, they play that entire season for him. And they won the Stanley Cup for him. And the very first thing they do once they get that trophy is they hand it off to him. And it was just a great moment. And I, that, I was like, okay, I'm a Detroit Red Wings fan. Like, I'm from Chicago. I hate the Pistons. I'm a Packer fan. I hate the Lions. But I will root for these Red Wings guys because they seem super cool. And they, I think they ended up winning, like, four Stanley Cups in, like, eight years or something like that uh, around that time um which is really cool and fun but for the most part uh just that story of Vladimir Konstantinov and uh as far as I at least as of 2017 I haven't looked it up if he is still around but in 2017 when they were closing uh the fabled Joe Louis Arena that the Red Wings played in uh he was still around and he uh is at least mobile to an extent he still needs a walker but he can actually move around some but he Obviously has permanent brain damage, but just seeing that moment of the team rallying around someone who had something so tragic happen to him, but he's still with it enough that he is like, yeah, my guys won. He's having fun with it. There's a great picture of him with a cigar and Steve Iserman later on in the in the celebration. But uh, that's one that stuck with me and another reason why, like, I love hockey so much.
0: And that's one of those moments, isn't it, where it kind of again transcends the sport itself, isn't it? It's it's more than just the game; it's the feelings and yeah, yeah. And I see you've just linked us the the story, so that's quite a special moment, isn't it? I'm not. Um, again, ice hockey is really something that <laughs> um it's a biggest. It's starting to get big over here, but yeah, it's not a story I'd um I'd heard of before.
2: Yeah, it, especially in the '90s. Like, I don't know if it would make it overseas in that in this particular case, um, but. Just again, seeing that moment of Iserman pushing Vladimir Konstantinov around the ice while he's holding the cup and everything like that—it was just really touching. And even as a 13-year-old kid, who's like, "I'm a, I'm a, I'm a turning into a man. I'm not going to cry." Like even now, I'm thinking about it. Like my, my tear ducts are getting going.
0: We'll come away from you there, then. I mean, it's not a nice story in the sense, obviously, of, of the accident, but it's a nice story in terms of the the end result of that. My my next one, I've got something similar. But I'm going to go on to another one initially. Are you guys aware of Eric Cantona? He was another great football player, uh, soccer player from Man United and France. Um, really great talent. This moment, actually, I'm not going to take credit for. I asked my wife if she had any any moments, and she's not really a sporty person. But this was the one, and I I'm actually ashamed I didn't remember this one. So I'm taking this credit on her behalf. There was a game in '95, so we're going back some time again. Man United were playing Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Cantona got a red card. As he's going off, he just looks into the crowd, because, again, the the crowd are quite close to some of the pitches, and he just launches into a full-on kick into the chest of one of the supporters and punches him. And so, obviously, th- this is quite outrageous. Again, seeing, you know, pictures on the paper, it was discussed for ages. He was initially sentenced to a two week prison sentence but he won an appeal firstly the fan he did it in question was racially abusing him allegedly racially abusing him potentially throughout the match but as he was walking off he was shouting racist abuse at him which is what uh, triggered him but Cantona has never shied away from this and actually calls it one of his favorite moments in sports so he was asked in 2011 what his best moment in football was And he responded, when I did the Kung Fu kick on the hooligan, because these kind of people don't have to be at the game. I think maybe it's like a dream for some, you know, to kick these kinds of people. So I did it for them. So it's about that. And quite rightly so, that he's got no shame. He's got no regrets. And it was just that image of him, yeah, just launching over the barrier and just kicking this guy and punching him. It's just a shocking moment. And for a a sports star to also then initially be sentenced to a prison sentence for something that happened on the field. It was just kind of unheard
2: of. I wonder if, uh, I'd have to ask Joey, Uh, I wonder if that's the moment that inspired um, a season three of Ted Lasso moment where someone, uh, a hooligan is shouting at the team and calling them a bunch of gay slurs. And uh, Isaac McAdoo uh, uh, from the the Richmond team goes into the stands and like attacks the guy. And uh, it's found out that later on he's doing it because he's, Isaac is like, what if one of us is gay and it's there's a character on the team that is gay? Uh, it's not Isaac, but Isaac is a, a great character that uh, a moment like that, it seems like that would be a moment that would inspire that kind of scene for that show.
0: It could be, but also there was one similar a couple of years ago from my team, Tottenham. There was a player getting abused on our side, not not for any reason other than uh, they just didn't like him. And his family was sitting in the crowd. And I can't remember if his family were getting abuse and so if it was half time he just yeah he goes into the stand walks right up there to have a go at this this person and it's just so it's just so shocking because you will see for 90 minutes fans are shouting abuse hurling abuse at players but you don't often see the tables being turned and in fashion in such a fashion like that yeah it was something out of the ordinary so my moment there was Eric Canton. And those who remember it will yeah will remember the events So Joey, if you're listening, yeah, drop Josh a note, tell him how shocking it was. Although Joey's just such a young lad, he probably he probably doesn't even remember it. Yeah,
2: but he loves the history of the games so he he probably knows. Adam, over to you. I'm gonna stick in with the uh
1: combat sports, but I'm gonna go with professional wrestling. And um kind of close to Josh's last one is is from June twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. And it was uh, mankind being thrown off the top of the Hell in the Cell uh, by the Undertaker. And, uh, oh yeah, I remember landing that through the Spanish announce table. Uh, this actually took place in my hometown. Uh, I was not there live, but I was watching it on pay per view with uh, a bunch of my, I guess at the time, middle school friends. But the, the, yeah, the and I didn't. I actually rewatched it to, and I did not remember that it happened like right at the beginning of the match, like from the time mankind enters the match he climbs straight to the top undertaker comes out climbs straight to the top and within a few minutes he's he's getting hurled off um what they you never know with professional wrestling might be exaggerated but they say it's a 22 foot fall which it looked every bit of 22 feet um and he crashes through and it's the the part i will always remember is uh jim ross who was the main commentator for wwf wwe at the time uh, shouted, "Good God Almighty! Good God Almighty! They've killed him. As God is my witness, he's broken in half." And they've interviewed Jim Ross and the Undertaker since the match many times, and both of them thought he might be dead. Like it was, it was a an unbelievable stunt that Mankind, like Mick Foley, who played Mankind, will just reminisce about and be like, "Oh yeah, it was just something I wanted to do for the fans." <laughs> but it was, it was such a. uh horrific stunt uh especially that time in wrestling like you you didn't have those kind of extreme moments on those major uh pro wrestling brands so it it, it was something
0: and you know, mankind put himself he's over the years and and Mick Foley put himself really through it oh, for yeah. his sport yeah he
1: you? the the poor
2: the poor guy can barely
1: walk anymore uh you can just see his hips are probably yeah, yeah.
2: gone at this point Yeah. Mick Foley put himself through a ringer. Uh, Yeah. Just thinking about all that stuff. Like, uh, I, I had stopped watching professional wrestling when, uh, around the time the rock had become the the corporate champion. And, uh, in reliving the war, they just recently covered the Royal, the 1999 Royal Rumble. And that's the, the infamous I quit match where Mick Foley takes like 15 unprotected headshots from the rock. Uh, With a steel chair. And like, uh, there's stories about how Mick Foley's family was in the audience and like his wife had to take their kids away from the ringside area because they didn't want to see him getting just destroyed anymore.
0: Again, the whole, oh, it's not not a real sport, but (laughs) the injuries take care. certainly, I'm sure, are real. Kind of a moment that sticks with me actually was years ago in a local town, there was an amateur wrestling organization sort of demoing you know having an event and jake the snake was going to be there now the warning bells for me should have been the fact that why would jake the snake be in our local area right now it was him but it was pre his rehabilitation and you know when you have the 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 image these superstars they they were like heroes weren't they they were like superheroes when you seen them on tv they were these specimens of fitness and and agility and he was just, you know, I don't, I hate saying it like this, but like a, a drunk old man who for 90% mm-hmm. of his, his match in quotes, was just taking a beating. He did one DDT and won the match. So it was really, yeah, it was quite sad seeing that. And you realize kind of what they do go through, what, how it affects them. I don't know what's happened to him now, but I did watch that film where, yeah, he was the rehabilitation of Jake the Snake, So It was good to see that he did get some help where he's at now. I don't know, but these wrestlers what they do to put on a show for people is just astonishing at times
1: actually to to finish that story Jake the Snake is actually still in American wrestling he pops up from time to time uh, he's just a manager now so he's like a ringside you know act uh, and just supports the wrestlers in the ring but he's from all accounts I've seen he's still clean so he's he's doing well
0: yeah no that's that's good to hear that's good to hear Josh what have you got next?
2: Uh so this is a weird one because it's one I actually missed. My favorite baseball team is the Chicago White Sox and in 2005 I had started uh going to school at my local community college and I was seeing this girl trying to see this girl her parents weren't having it and uh, while this whole drama was going on the White Sox were in the World Series they had uh they had like a 3-0 lead and I remember watching every game every pitch uh, like Paul Konerko's Grand Slam, Scott Pitsudnik's game winning home run, all of it. I was there for it. And I get invited by this girl who I'm trying to date uh, to go to some kind of church event for her that she's like, oh, you can make a good impression with my parents. I'm like, there's no way the White Sox are sweeping. There's it's not going to happen like to win the World Series. You need to win four games. They're up three none. And I was just like, they're, they're not going to sweep. It's just not going to happen. There's no way. So I'm like, OK, I can sacrifice a night. And we go through the whole night and her parent, I remember very distinctly, her dad takes me aside and he's like, don't date my daughter. She's not ready for this. Just don't. And I should have heeded his, his advice, but you know, I'm a horny 22 year old or whatever. So like not listening. So I get in my car after all that. And I'm just like, all right, well let's get this disappointment over with socks lost. I can watch them win tomorrow. And I turn on my local radio station, uh, sports radio station and they're just having a ball you can hear people cheering and I'm like <laughs> the night gets worse the White Sox win and I missed it they won one nothing on that night and I also <laughs> was shut out by this girl's parents that night as well thankfully I had DVR so I had recorded the game and I like looked for what had happened I like fast forwarded uh saw like oh the socks go up one nothing late in the game and it, Jeff Bloom had hit a, a home run against his former team and it was like, okay, so what happens? What happens? And like they win one nothing and the celebration is on, but like I missed the real time moment. And I was just like, dang it, damn it, damn it. And I ended up dating that girl, but it ended up being like the worst relationship of my life. So like it should have been a red flag from the get go missing that game because of her, but I didn't listen to her and it, it's one that sticks in my brain because I'm like, I could have had a moment, even if it was going to be by myself, maybe my dad would have come in and watched the, the game with me. But instead, I, I pursued something else and I lost out on that moment. And now I live in constant regret whenever that meant that World Series comes up. I feel quite sad about that one now, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> me too, Dan, me too. <laughs> and when did you say that was? That was October 2005. I had just turned 20. As well, like uh, that previous summer.
0: I just see the time, so I want to do at least enough around. So I'm gonna quickly do this this one of mine. This was one I was at, and this is why it really um has stuck with me. And this is what I was saying earlier, Josh, with your story um, about the ice hockey one. This was um another soccer match. It was Tottenham v Bolton in the FA Cup. This was 2012, and basically it was around just before half time. There was uh, some action at the other end, and When that actually stopped, you looked down and there was a player laying motionless pretty much on the halfway line. So it's quite some distance and nobody saw that because we were all looking at the other end. Now, you know something's up straight away because a player lying motionless is always going to be bad. But secondly, anyone who's pretending to be injured once the play's moved on normally gets up straight away because they're play acting and they want to get involved in it. This chap was called Fabrice Muamba, and basically he had a cardiac arrest. He died on the pitch and I'll never forget now. Sorry, they did revive him. It was just shocking. You had around, this was our old stadium. So you had about 30, anywhere between 30 000 to 35,000 people there and just silence reigned because you saw the medics come on surround this player attempting to, to revive him. I think they gave him, yeah, basically they said his heart had stopped, which is amazing. For 78 minutes, he was kept under anaesthesia and intensive care. He did make a recovery. Obviously, he couldn't play football again, uh, but he, he didn't do recoveries doing sort of work in and around football uh, and, and speeches. But for me, the moment was just when all 30-odd thousand fans went silent. You could hear a pin drop. And then when they stretched him off, because we didn't know what was going on, you Just hear the applause then ring out for the player and his name being chanted. So it was just one of those moments where it didn't matter. The game got called off and it it was then replayed, but at that moment in time it didn't matter. And you know, both sets of fans were coming together to kind of cheer this player or wish this player well. But yeah, it it was just the fact that his heart stopped for 78 minutes and and you know, he is now to all intents and purposes, but as you can, living a normal life. yeah i'll never forget that never forget that moment yeah to be in a stadium and hear silence yeah
2: Yeah, there have been a few times where um some we just recently had one with uh in the nfl um a bills player just took a the wrong hit at the right time and suffered a cardiac event in the middle of a monday night football game late last year um he's playing in the nfl this year which is just incredible i they performed like 13 minutes of CPR on him. Um, but like, I, I also remember uh, there've been a few times in the NHL where guys just sit down on the bench after coming off a shift and they, they have a heart attack uh, the most recent one. I, I looked it up while you were uh, sharing that story of uh, uh, Jay Bomeister from the St. Louis blues back in 2020, just collapsed on the bench after coming off a shift and they had to stop the, the game so he could go in um, but there have been a few times that I, I, there's one I can't find the guy, uh, but there was one where the guy literally went into the training room after complaining of, like, oh, my arm hurts. They found out he had a heart attack. And like later in the game, he's like, you're later on, there's reports like he's like, oh, I feel fine. I can go back in and like, no, you're not. I think
0: we've got time for one more round. Adam,
2: mine's
1: quick and kind of, um, I wasn't there for it and didn't watch it, but it was a major impact, uh, in the early two thousands. Um, and it's quick. It's, it actually is a death on the field, but it wasn't a human being. Uh, so, uh, Randy Johnson, who was the pitcher for the Arizona diamondbacks at the time, his nickname was the big unit because he just could throw fastballs well into a hundred, well over a hundred miles per hour. Um, and it was actually a spring training game. So not a big deal against the San Francisco giants. And he goes to throw a pitch in the seventh inning and out of nowhere, you just see an explosion of feathers. Um, and what happened was as he threw the ball, a dove flew in front of it and he hit it with the ball and it disintegrated. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just something that was like, especially at that time, like just was going around the Internet, going around social media um, or, you know, whatever social media was, the you know, the, the, uh, the websites of the time. And yeah, as of today I I just looked it up uh a few days ago and it's over 58 uh 5.8 million views on YouTube alone. So, and you, I don't think YouTube was even a thing when it happened. Yeah, that was that was just kind of a comical one I had. It was like when when Matt told me the subject for today, I was like, that's the first thing I thought of for some reason. I was like, wow, what a weird first thing to think of.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's one of those moments too where uh like high definition broadcasting had just become a thing but it wasn't like fully digital yet so everything is still in frames so like they show a replay of it and you see the dove coming in and it's like three feet away from it and then the next frame you just see an explosion of feathers and you're just like yeah okay uh empirical evidence shows that he hit a bird like we have no idea what the hell just happened but that that was that was the day randy johnson should have bought a lottery ticket like, how how, and when would that have happened? <laughs> I was going to say, it's one of those things that you think shouldn't
0: happen. But obviously, it has. So, yeah, that's out the window. Josh, what's your last one?
2: Another one that lives rent-free in my brain is the Calvin Johnson no-catch. Adam, I don't know if you are watching the NFL at that time. Um, there was an opening day match against the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions. And the Lions go down with, like, 40 seconds left. Matthew Stafford. No, no, it wasn't Matthew Stafford. He was hurt. Uh, Sean. I can't remember that. It was Sean something. Um, The Lions backup quarterback is in the game and he throws a dart to Calvin Johnson. He has the ball. He lands on his butt and he goes to turn and he puts the ball on the ground and just lets it go as he's getting up to celebrate and the officials get together and they're like, he didn't survive the process of the catch. So no touchdown. And so the lions go from this moment of jubilation, like we've come from behind to win. And if you watch the replay, I don't know how to this day, this is like 15 years later to this day. I don't know how you watch that replay of Calvin Johnson landing on his butt and then turning around and clearly just putting the ball on the ground to like push himself up and just let's go of it. And the officials like, no, that doesn't count anywhere else in the world anyone else in the world besides that officiating crew would say that's a touchdown. But in this case, no, the, this officiating crew, was, I, they had money on the bears. I don't know, but they decided that was not a, t- a catch, even though to anyone else. And that's where the, if you watch or you see on Twitter, NFL fans will still to this day be like, I don't know what a catch is because you'll see other moments where the exact same thing will happen and they'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's a catch. And yet 15 years ago, Calvin Johnson got robbed of a touchdown in a game winning moment.
1: Yeah. I, I absolutely remember that. That was super controversial. And I think, I think resulted in a couple rule changes Yeah, uh, going forward.
2: And it still doesn't make sense. Like you, you there's still moments where they'll be like, Oh, the, the, the process of the catch, like uh, the Packers had one, I think last week where there was like dual possession and the CBS uh, analyst was like, oh, the defender came, had his feet touch the ground first. Therefore, this should be considered an interception, even though it's well within the field of play. Like, it's not like it was a sideline catch or anything. And they're like, oh, but the tie goes to the the offense. But because the, the the analyst was like, but the defender had his feet down first. Therefore, he has possession first. It's like, who cares? What matters, like if he came down, if he came down inbounds, if the defender came down inbounds and the offensive guy came down out of bounds, like, yeah, okay. But this is, that's not in question at all. It's the fact that both guys have the ball and they both come down with the ball. So therefore the tie goes to the offense, but they're, they're trying to like be smart about it. And in the day after the analyst came out, he's like, I was wrong. It, it didn't matter. That, that was not a, a point of order for anything, but it, it's, It's only gotten worse because they continue to try to clarify what a catch is, but they only make it more confusing by trying to clarify.
0: It's really funny when you say that because it it feels like it should be quite explanatory what a catch is. But then again, (laughs) I guess Handball should also be quite clear. (laughs) And we're still arguing that every week. My last one is going to be another personal one. And again, it's not necessarily a moment anyone will remember other than me, but it was going to a Basketball match in America, so it was my first uh, American sporting event. I was in Florida in I think it was 2015, 2016, so I got to see the Miami Heat at Orlando Magic. Um, so not a bad, not a bad one to, to go see, and yeah, it was just for me, it was just kind of the reason it stuck in it, it's just mesmerizing because it is more of a a spectacle rather than a sporting event as well. So, you know, all the laser shows, All every time the, the game stopped, they dragged a couple of people out from the crowd to do games on the court side. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things going on. Mixed crowd seating as well, which I found really weird. I thought we'd gone into the wrong bit of the, <laughs> the stadium, but you're, you're sitting with supporters of, you know, because I thought we were going to go into the home, home crowd. But yeah, you've got people sitting all around you, uh, which wouldn't happen here.
2: That's something we need to adopt over here, is if you're a visiting fan, you you get this section that's not very good for watching the game. Over
0: here, I think it's more from a safety perspective. So if you don't have to do that over there, that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just bizarre. Yeah, because like I said, I worried. I saw someone, you know, I saw, oh yeah, there's, we're in with the, the, the Florida fans. Um, Orlando fans, sorry. And I saw some Miami fans, and I was thinking, "Where are we? Are we going to be in trouble? Are we in the cheap <laughs> seats? Are we in the rough seats? What's going on?" Here? But yeah, no, it was just a really good yeah, like I said, it was good entertainment, and it was all about family entertainment, which was it was good to see, or it was good to be a part of. So yeah, and got my hot dog out just before the game as well. So that's that felt like a key part. Yeah, absolutely. Of it, so.
1: Actually, it's funny enough. I'm going to a hockey game this week with, uh, and I'm the for the home team. Um, But my friend from New Jersey is coming in and he's on the opposing team. So we'll be sitting right next to each other. Uh, So I wish him the best.
0: Well, you you do get that here. You see, it happened last week. You'll get an opposing fan go because they really want to go see the game. So they'll sit in the opposing, Mm. but often covered up with a coat or something, but with the jersey underneath. And it's it's as if they get found out. Um, I've had the chance to do that in the past. Uh, So... like the big rivalry of my team is is arsenal and it's quite a big rivalry although they'll say there's no rivalry because they they win everything and we don't but i just couldn't do it i thought there's no way i could sit in the the opposing fans and not get carried away (laughs) with anything so i just didn't do it i I couldn't do it i couldn't do it right has anybody got like a really quick one they want to shout
1: out before we wrap up quick one No. nope I'm, i'm out too
0: We'll reconvene at another time. We'll reconvene at another time. So, thank you both for that. That's that was really really enjoyable um show. uh Josh, do you just want to shout out anything about talking smack
2: again before we go? Sure. Uh, you can find me at, on Twitter and other social media websites at Talking Smack Pod. Smack is spelled S M A C. We talk your superheroes, movies, animation, comics, blockbusters. Um, a little bit of nostalgia here and there but for the most part we, we try to keep it current but if that sounds like something uh your cup of tea as you brits might say uh that that would be uh where you can find us uh just make sure you find the talking smack that is the yellow and red icon and not the talking smack that's like black and green they talk sports which if you're listening to this episode maybe that's when you want to listen to instead of comic book talk adam do you want to represent decaying with the boys and anything you've got going on yeah
1: we'll do my best um we uh me and my podcast partner who you've heard on casting views prior uh matt we cover combat sports uh beer and horror movies for the most part um but we also touch on other things in pop culture uh, but you can find us on instagram and almost any social media at DecayingWtb. wtb and then me myself and my wife also run a uh a home brewery that we're trying to get uh, legitimate um, and that's uh, on Instagram at bash underscore brew. And this month um, we are raising money for a mental health charity here in Pittsburgh. Um, and all the details are on that. Inst- uh, there's an Instagram post uh, from this week with all the details on that.
0: What I'll do is I'll get all the links from you and on Matt and I'll add them in the show notes as well. Oh,
1: awesome! I appreciate it.
0: Now I do. I do just want to have a chat with you at some point about the home brewing. See i am fascinated by that, so yeah at some point we we'll to have, have a chat and now you've found your way onto the show hopefully um we'll we'll hear your voice again a number of times.
1: I heard the last episode where uh Matt uh put a dinner party together. I would love to do that because I can do a much well, I said better
0: to time him, you're I coming have. on for that <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. He's laid down the challenge. Well, let's get you on in a few weeks for January. I've got November and December sorted, so I'll get you on for january, so we we'll, we'll absolutely we'll get that done.
1: Sounds like a plan.
0: If you're not already, make sure you're listening and subscribing to both Talking Smack and The camera with the Boys. I'll put links in the show notes. For me, if you want to get on the show, um, or you've got any suggestions, or you just want to say hi, just look for Casting Views on all the social platforms, uh, or drop me an email at castingviewspod at gmail.com, and we'll catch you next time for the next episode of Casting Views. Two, three,
1: four If I want your opinion,
2: I will give it to you.
1: Come on, check what we've got, cause you need it. Don't make us get a spark and force feed.